Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 39 as we continue in our wonderful account here of Joseph and God. So first of all, we'll pray. Father, thank you so much for being with Joseph and for allowing us to come into that sweet fellowship that you had with Joseph and yourself so we can learn and help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 39, verse 16. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Okay, now in our last study, you remember how we've seen how Joseph was so innocent and he was just occupied with doing his work there, his business, which is really Potiphar's business when he went into the house. And he was so unaware of the fact that there was nobody else, there was no other men in there with him. It was just him and Potiphar's wife, which was poor Joseph walking right into the spider's web. And the spider came out, Potiphar's wife, that she had set for him. And then he made his decision Very quickly there, he wasn't going to sin against God. He wasn't going to sin against Potiphar. He wasn't going to yield to Potiphar's wife. He wasn't going to take her up on her proposition to lie with him. So literally, he ran for his life. He ran for his life with God. And Potiphar's wife, then she was so tenacious that she grabbed a hold his garment so hard that Joseph realized he couldn't get away. He couldn't get that garment out of her hand. You can imagine how tight she was holding it. And so he knew that the only way he could get out of there is if he left his coat behind. And of course, this happens, you know, so quickly like this that he gets outside and to his horror, he realized, I've been stripped of my coat again. (laughs) And then we saw these significant words in verse 13 where it says it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand. And we could just imagine, you know, him sitting there said, oh, no, I left my garment behind. But back in the house, it was in her hand in verse 13. And so she looks at that and she says, ah, Now I've got a way to attack my husband and to destroy Joseph. Let's not make any mistake about it. She hated Joseph. Why did she hate Joseph? Because Joseph was God's light that came to her soul. When he said to her in verse 9, 
when he said to her, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What she heard was, hey, he's just called me a person who's doing a great wickedness and a big sinner against God. And that lit a fire of revenge in her. So her position is, oh yeah? Well, we'll see about who's condemning who for great wickedness. And wait till you see how I'm going to condemn you and destroy you with your own garment in my hand. So she looks like she's really in control at this point. And we saw how she made up this terrible accusation about Joseph trying to force her. And it's interesting, you don't want to miss this, very important. She gets all the men together and tells them before her husband comes home, he gets them to believe her. And poor Joseph, what can he do? This burden is just too great for him. He needs help. And so the only thing he can do is what it says in Psalm 55.22. Psalm 55.22 says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And so this was a burden that was too great for Joseph to bear alone. And his only option was to cast, or as it is in the Hebrew, roll the burden on the Lord. So then she waits for Potiphar to come home, and that must be in the longest time that Joseph ever waited. You know. And now this brings us now to verse 16, where we read, she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. Now, this very interesting here. When it says she laid up his garment by her, literally in the Hebrew, it says, it reads, she laid it up by her side by her side. So she laid up his garment by her side. What this is showing here is a very high level of choreography that's going on here. I mean, she's setting this stage very, very carefully. I mean, we can see her arranging the room carefully to show that there was this big struggle where Joseph tried to force her and she made herself, you know, with her hair probably all disheveled like she'd been in some kind of struggle, and then she takes her up her very precise precision arrangement, you know, in the room there, and herself in the in just in the right place, so she can just go through the look what just happened and carefully laid aside there. But she did all very carefully staged, a very high level plot. This is a plot. And the Bible speaks about this in Psalm 37, 12. In Psalm 37, 12, it says, the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. That's exactly what she's doing here. She's plotting against the just. That's Joseph. So she's rehearsed this exactly, what she's gonna say to Potiphar when he gets home. She's got her lines down. Pat, she could get an Academy Award. And it's all lies, You know, she had what's called in the Bible a lying tongue. She had a lying tongue in Proverbs 12, 19. It talks about a lying tongue in Proverbs 12, 19. says, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. But for a moment. And that's what we, well, sometimes this moment is more than 10 years, but anyways, it's but for a moment. And by the way, there's an emphasis on verse 16 on the fact that Joseph's garment was by her, as I mentioned, the Hebrews is late by her, but by her, by her side. But it says, by her. That's meant there to be in opposition. 
that by her is meant to be opposed to, the emphasis is placed in verses 12 and 13, where twice it says his garment was in her hand. At the conclusion of what really happened in the event, Joseph's garment was obviously in her hand. But verse 16 makes a point of stating that she took the garment out of her hand and laid it by her side so that she could make it lie. And then it says in verse 16 that she kept everything frozen until his Lord came home. Now it's important in verse 16 that it does not say until her husband came home or until until Potiphar came home. It's speaking about until his Lord came home, until, you know, I mean, you'd think that, you know, this terrible thing has happened to her, you know, until her protector comes home, right? But it's not until his Lord comes home. It's like, you know, she's taking the position, you're going to be in trouble when you get home. And that's really what's showing here is that she wants to get Joseph in trouble. And that's why it says until his Lord came home. So he comes home, Potiphar comes home, and now it's lights, camera, action, and she starts with her script in verse 17. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, the Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. So she starts off with this derogatory term, calling Joseph, not by his name Joseph, but by his term, the Hebrew servant. By the way, that can very well be a term for the Lord Jesus also. He is the Hebrew servant. Now, and she puts the blame on Potiphar. She said, well, you know, which thou has brought unto us. So we see right away, we see this is not a good relationship that Potiphar and his wife have with each other when she's blaming him. You know, this is not a type of relationship. Oh, darling, I'm so glad you came home. <laughs> you know, can't wait. I'm glad to see you again. This is not an oh, darling relationship, okay? So she tells Potiphar her lie. In verse 18, it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it's the garment that she keeps pointing to as the proof that she's not lying and she's using it. And we can just hear her just saying the same words that Joseph's brothers said to Joseph's father Jacob when they made his coat of many colors to lie when it says in Genesis 37, 32, as we've seen, They sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found, know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, it's my son's coat. And just like Joseph's brothers said to Jacob, we can see Potiphar's wife saying to Potiphar, this garment was left here, know thou whether it be Joseph's garment or no. And so for Joseph, this is all just a terrible replay of the horrible events, and he doesn't have any opportunity to tell his side of the story, to tell what really happened. So what's happening to Joseph here? This is a classic example of a person who is suffering wrongfully. He's suffering wrongfully. He's doing just what the Bible says to do, though, when we suffer wrongfully, as it says in 1 Peter 2.19. 1 Peter 2.19 says, for this is thankworthy if a man, for conscious sake, toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if you, when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even thereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps." 
So there's Joseph. Now Potiphar, he comes home. He's home, rather. He's heard the story. And now we see his response in verse 19. It came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. That's his response. His wrath was kindled. Now, it's very significant in verse 19 that it only says that. His wrath was kindled. It doesn't say the next two words, which we would expect. His wrath was kindled against Joseph. doesn't say that. It just says his wrath was kindled. So he's mad. He's really mad. But it's not altogether clear what Potiphar is mad at. You know, in other words, he knows his wife. He seems not to be sure of her story. Because, for one thing, his judgment's mild. I mean, for this kind of thing, a Hebrew servant, he would have been killed, just put to death. Especially since Potiphar, that's his job. He's the chief executioner for the Pharaoh. So, you know, that's what he does. He kills people. So it would have been normal for Joseph just to be killed. But he seems to really know his wife, and he seems to be suspicious of her story. Now, Potiphar's anger very well could have been at his wife for accusing him of bringing Joseph into the house and for her trying to get Joseph killed. And maybe Potiphar's wife knew that Potiphar might not believe her. He might not believe her. And if this was really a matter between, you know, Joseph and Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, that he might, Potiphar might say, "Uh, okay, I'm going to keep Joseph as my servant. So that explains her very strange move to tell all the men in the house of this accusation before her husband came home. Why? Because with that very key strategic move, she's now forced Potiphar to have to remove Joseph. Why? Well, it's the same like Herod at the party when his wife Herodias and his daughter danced and then he made this promise to give her anything. It says that in Matthew 14.6, Matthew 14.6, Matthew 14.6 says But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being fore-instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was very sorry. Why was he sorry? He didn't want to do this. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, See, and them which sat with him, he commanded it to be given her, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. See, Herod didn't want to kill John, John the Baptist, but his wife Herodias, when she saw that he made this oath, and there were witnesses there, it was now like a public thing, that he was forced to follow through and behead John the Baptist. Well, this is a similar thing here with Potiphar's wife. She's made a strategic move by telling all the men in the house before Potiphar comes home, now it's a public scandal that can't be kept quiet. And this forces Potiphar, he needs to get rid of the scandal. So Potiphar reluctantly goes forward with verse 20, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So now Joseph, he lands in prison. And by the way, the word for prison is interesting here because you know, it's Bait Ha Sohar, and it means the house of Sohar. And Sohar means round, 
But it's interesting, Sohar, because it comes from an era. It's also, there's an Arabic word that springs out, you know, Hebrew and Arabic, they have similar roots. It comes from, in the Arabic, it's the word Sahara, you know, as in the desert. And it means, in Arabic, that means to watch, to watch. So in Genesis 41.10, the butler actually makes reference to this when he calls the prison the guard's house, which leads us to believe that this is a place where the prisoners were watched constantly by guards. Now, this prison is also referred to in uh, Genesis 40, next chapter, in verse 15, where Joseph calls it in Hebrew the word bor, which means pit. It means pit. And that's the same word that was used all in the chapter 37 when he was cast into the pit. So what this prison seems to be was some kind of a round structure, probably brick-lined, underneath the ground, some kind of round hole top probably for some light, whatever. And that's where he was. And a place where, you know, prisoners weren't just free to walk around, you know, and just go out and get their daily recreation or something like that. It's a place where they were bound. They were shackled. They were, it was a bad place. So now we don't have any record of Potiphar even trying to hear Joseph's side of the story. And even if he did, the question remains of uh, what's he can do about the public scandal of it all now. But also, the question remains, would Joseph really have tried to defend himself? Why? Because if Joseph had tried to defend himself, he would have by necessity end up blaming Potiphar's wife. And Joseph really didn't want to have any part and causing any trouble in Potiphar's home because Potiphar had enough trouble in his home. And, you know, he didn't need this. So we can't lose sight of the fact that Joseph loved Potiphar, felt a great deal of indebtedness to Potiphar. So rather than to speak a word against Potiphar's wife and cause trouble, more trouble in the house, to save himself and shame Potiphar's honor and his wife, he'd rather go to prison. So reading the words of verse 20 of Joseph being put in prison, it's really amazing for us when we see this here. He's put in prison. I mean, we see Joseph in prison, and we think about, boy, that's something. Who's Joseph? It's astounding to think about this. Joseph is the one who's going to save Israel. He's going to save the Jewish people from death by starvation. And so if Joseph doesn't do this, then the Jewish people are going to die. And if the Jewish people are going to die, then no Bible for the world and no Savior for the world. And that's what makes us seeing Joseph in prison here so astounding because this is the man who's going to save the people from starvation that are going to bring in the Savior of the world, bring into the world their Savior. So this means the eternal future of the world is bound up in Joseph who's now been cast into prison. It's like seeing a sword that's hung over Joseph's head and the sword is held there by a a very thin thread, you know? And the thin thread over this severely threatened Joseph. And that hangs the eternal destiny of you and I. Okay, so Joseph did just, it was amazing to see this. Now, Joseph being falsely accused, he did exactly what the Lord Jesus did when he was falsely accused in Matthew 5.39. Matthew 5.39. Matthew 5.39 tells, he says, the Lord said, but I say unto you, you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man sue thee at the law, take away thy coat. Let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. It's exactly what the Lord Jesus said, taught, 
And that's what he did. That's what he did in Matthew 27, 14. The Lord Jesus, Matthew 27, 14, where we read, he answered, Pilate, he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. And that was so dramatic that Peter picks up on that and he says, in 1 Peter 2.23, 1 Peter 2.23, but when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So Joseph is suffering wrongfully because Joseph refused to lie with Potiphar's wife. And when Joseph refused to do that, he was living godly. Joseph was living godly. And there's a promise in the Bible for those who live godly. What is it? That's it. (laughs) So congratulations, Joseph. (laughs) You got the prize. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But it's not the only promise, thank God, about suffering persecution because also there's James 1.12. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, that's a verse in James 1 and 12 that's really talking about tables being turned. <laughs> and thinking about tables being turned, think about when Joseph became the most powerful man under Pharaoh in Egypt and how Joseph was then working in the palace, which was right by Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife. So when Joseph was exalted, Joseph never you know, said to Potiphar's wife and Potiphar, oh, hello, folks. Well, well, well. <laughs> what a happy reunion this is. Remember me? It's Joseph, you know, the Hebrew servant. You know, he never did that. Joseph never did that. He never settled the score with Potiphar's wife and Potiphar. He just yielded to God. Joseph yielded to God. And then he fulfilled when he did that, Romans 12.9. Romans 12.9 says, Romans 12.9, Dearly beloved... Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. In other words, the Lord said, leave that to me. So Joseph's put in prison. He found himself numbered with the transgressors, and Joseph did nothing to deserve being put in prison, and he tells the butler later on in Genesis 40, next chapter, verse 14, Genesis 40, verse 14, He said to him, but think on me, and when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee unto me, make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon, into the dungeon. So now, where we are now in verse 20, there's an emphasis on Joseph in the prison. See, first it says Joseph was put in the prison, and then it says that the prison was a place where the prisoners were bound, and so that means that, you know, that they were shackled. And that's, we saw that before in Psalm 105, verse 17. Psalm 105, verse 17. In verse 18, it talks about his feet, they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron. And all of this new prison experience was like surreal for Joseph. It was like he, he couldn't believe what happened to him. In such a short time, especially that first night in prison, we can imagine Joseph, by that time he has some time to let it all set in and and we can just see him realizing that this isn't just a horrible dream. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.